and welcome back to Two Guys with Mics. I am your host, Toby, as always, and with me, most of the time, is Jesse. I hate you. I know. It's okay. Most Toby and do. I haven't spoken in two weeks since the last, since we recorded the last episode. We haven't spoken in per like, we haven't actually spoken to each other. Uh, At all. If you watched, if you listened to the last episode, you'll know Toby had me watch the movie Old Boy, <laughs> um, which I thought was a decent action movie. It had some interesting cinematography, some really cool uh, fixed camera fight scenes, which were which were pretty cool. Uh, it had Josh Brolin and uh, Samuel L. Jackson and whoever the woman who played Scarlet Witch from the MCU is. Elizabeth Olsen. Okay, her, yeah. Uh, it was a good movie until the last five minutes, and I just started texting Toby the word no repeatedly every about 30 seconds. Uh, if you've watched the movie, you'll know why. I'm not going to tell you why. I'm just going to say watch the movie and you'll find out. It, it was the greatest feeling I ever got, and also the like 30-minute phone call we had afterward of me just enjoying just enjoying it all it was so good i hate you. um i know you do and it's you okay made me like that movie yes and see that's so that that's on you if you like the movie that's really on you and speaks to your person no, so I, it's not i liked really the movie me. until the what yeah until that until that until the bombshell which is kind of a spoiler in and of itself by telling people that there's like a bombshell so i guess sort of but uh, but either way, today's episode is on the Founding Fathers. Um, primarily uh, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, and Alexander Hamilton. Uh, kind of what I wanted to do with this episode is a lot of times, uh, the Founding Fathers in particular, but a lot of times a lot of historical figures uh, end up being put on a pillar or mystified in the fact that we view them as they were if they were perfect or as if they were gods or just people, we, we, we sometimes forget that they were humans. And so the object of today is to kind of bring them down a little bit, bring them down to our level and um, humanize them a little bit and just get to know them. Um, fair warning. Um, one of them, we will be probably shitting on a little <laughs> bit, but that's, but that's because it's so much fun, but you know, he did it to himself. Um, but the other ones um, are... There's not a single my... person, there's not a single politician or historical figure in any country, any nation, any annal of history that does not deserve at least a little bit of the hate they got. Definitely true. Um, but two of them are, are... Alexander Hamilton is my personal favorite founding father, and James Madison is Jesse's favorite founding father. Um, so we will be talking those because they're obviously our favorites. And uh, the one we'll be shitting on is definitely Thomas Jefferson. Uh, we've excluded George Washington from this one because he's just—he's that one founding father. You just don't. Let's just not touch him. Let's just leave him. He's—he's okay, he's so okay to be, to be, just whatever we want to think of him. It's totally fine. He, he, before you exclude, before you told me we're excluding him, he was going to be my pick because I know more about him than any, than any of the others. <laughs> Well, I just, like, he's just, like, such a, like, I feel like it's just so common for him. Eh. And I just, I just would let him rest. I was going to do Benjamin Franklin because he is a very fun character. But um, I figured instead I would go with Hamilton because I have, over the course of the past several months, I've gotten to know Hamilton a little bit more. And I feel like figured it would, he's, he's someone who I know a little bit more than Benjamin Franklin. So I figured he'd be a better, a better choice for this. Um but yeah, so um, we really hope you enjoy it, and uh, let's uh, get right on into it. Um, Alexander Hamilton, um, he was born in 1755 in actually not the United States and not England. He was born on the island of Nevis, um, particularly Charleston Nevis. And Caribbean. he is, yeah, it's in the Caribbean. He was one of the few founding fathers that wasn't from some form of aristocracy. Um, like he wasn't born into wealth. He was born into quite poverty. He was a bastard child. So he actually suffered a lot from his image constantly, um, throughout his entire life, uh, from running from that fact. 
Um, he had a pretty rough childhood. Um, a lot of mommy issues, which you definitely see later in his life um, with in his relationships with women. Um, but he basically had to fend for himself and his brother um, until he finally got a job uh, as a merchant who then weirdly enough all of those the merchant company that he worked for and several of the other key figures in his town actually paid for him to go to school and like send him to new york um where when he was in new york he went to king's college um studied law and ended up actually joining the continental army during the revolutionary war where he really started being um noticed and being more of the character that we know him as um where he got he was general washington's aide de camp um and also did um commanded an artillery um battalion through there he really liked combat and even though he did not get to see much and he was the type of person that really liked um military glory and just glory of any kind um he was a very well-spoken person uh great at it but also excellent writer he loved to write like he wrote so much and the fun thing about it is he was a very defensive person like if anybody dared to attack his character uh he would get very defensive and i always like to think that it's like somebody shot a bb gun at him and he immediately unloads a full desert eagle 50 cal at them because he's so defensive so he's just you (laughs) Exactly. Uh, <laughs> if no. you dare to criticize Toby, he will come at you with the wrath of a thousand hipsters. <laughs> I, I, I just don't like criticism. Um, but one thing that I do like is he was the type that he felt that criticism about like his work or his uh, political life or anything he did like in his job or something was totally valid. Like, he believed that you needed to receive criticism for things like that. But what he didn't like and what he couldn't stand was attacks on his character. And that's mainly what people would go for is they would attack him and attack him personally or and through his political career as well. Um, but as the Revolutionary War came to an end, um, he was actually um, submitted, I believe, to the Congress for Confederation when the Articles of Confederation were being established. But he was also the main push to get rid of the Articles of Confederation after they were found to be weak and was the main push to get a um, constitution, uh, which him and Madison both pushed for, um, but also received a lot of flack for because... Mm-hmm people who were fans of the confederation were like we don't need that you're trying to get us into a monarchy and etc but it was very interesting because he he believed in a very strong national government um and his basic personal personal political views are basically the foundation for the federalist party that is also known as the hamiltonian party um and he basically established it and obviously at the time received a lot of flack and constantly fought against the anti-federalist party that ended up turning into the democratic republican party that was also known as the jeffersonian party um but while he was after this congress the excuse me after the constitution was founded and washington became uh the first president he was nominated in his cabinet as uh, treasury treasury secretary and basically established the framework for basically the government that, that you know today and um, can, can we also point out the fact that he while while he was in that uh while he was in the Washington administration uh he was basically Washington's scapegoat the reason yes. people like the reason everybody's like, oh, Washington did no wrong, it's because any wrong he did, Hamilton took the flack for. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times, like, because like all Washington was known for is like not belonging to a party, even though he had Federalist sim- like sympathies, he never belonged to one. But a lot of times, Hamilton would want something passed, and or, or Washington would want something done, and he would push it to Hamilton. 
And if, because Washington tried to be this benevolent unifier and nonpartisan, Hamilton received a bunch of the flack, when in reality, Washington did agree with a lot of things he did. But that's also not to say that a lot of people think that, or, and especially at the time, uh, thought Hamilton ran the administration, and, and which he did not. It was definitely Washington. But Washington felt it was more his job to be this benevolent, just leader, and he wasn't supposed to belong to a party, and he was just supposed to be this figure that everybody could look to. And he figured his cabinet could do everything else. Yeah, um, his benign highness. Yeah. Which is, he did a good job as president. Um, but someone made a good correlation that said, if you, a lot of people like to look at the Revolutionary War and think of Jefferson for all of his rhetoric and all the beautiful words that he wrote, which is true. We always remember those things of Jefferson. But it was like, so if Jefferson gets credit for that, the federal government that you see today, you can thank Hamilton for. Um, yes. Now, obviously not the exact thing we have today. It's gone over several changes, but the very core of its foundation. Namely the party system. Hamilton literally built it. Like, he built the central bank. He built um, the seats of government. He designed all of it. And checks and balances, with the help of a bunch of others, but he was the main the main drive behind it. In fact, to get people behind a federal government, he, James Madison, and John Jay wrote the Federalist Papers. Uh, now, Hamilton did write 51, he wrote most of, them. 51 of the 85 essays. Um, <laughs> I think Jay James only Madison, wrote like four, right? Yeah, Jay got bored <laughs> and then decided he didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> Can you tell who did most of the work on that high school assignment? Yeah. <laughs> Hamilton literally is the type, and he would pump those out, like, a couple of weeks sometimes. Like, yeah. because that's how he was. He was that writer that would just, he, there's sometimes, you ever read those books that are just information overload? Like, there's too yes. much in there? That's that what, is, that that's is Hamilton. That's why I had to stop, re I had to stop listening to the, to the Federalist Papers, because there's just so much there. There is like and I, like the ones I've listened to. I've listened to at least one by Madison, at least one by Jay, and at least and a few by Hamilton already. Uh, of those three, good God, does Hamilton like to talk? He does. <laughs> he likes he to make his it. stuff wordy. Exactly, he's so wordy, and like he was known for getting up, and he would just receive when he was a lawyer. He would make passionate arguments in the courts, and he just loved to do it. But he felt that he didn't need to go up and speak rhetoric and sound, like, so politically fluent. He, that wasn't his type. He was the type to get up there and just say it. He's like, he wouldn't beat around a bush, but he would just say it. And, but he's not the type that says, oh, I have, like, this idea. He would say, I have this idea. Here's how it's going to work. Here's what ideas it's going to influence. And he would just say everything. And some people would get so bored from him. Like, they would just be like, oh, my God, would you shut the fuck up? And I've never identified with him more than at that point in time because I've had quite a few people look at me straight in the eye and be like, Toby, could you just breathe for two seconds? Yep. Please. And it, he loved it, but he was so good at writing, but he would just pump out. And it wasn't, like, fluff. It was, like, hard, like, just information he would just pump it out like congress would like tell him hey we need to get a report on you for the budget for all of the things that you're spending we need to see everything to make sure you're not taking money because he was constantly accused of trying to get rich and basically use the using the federal government as a ploy to uh, let britain back in to establish an empire again which is really funny because he, he died so in debt <laughs> and he had no money. He would forego well, his that, pension. Like, there, the, like the one thing, there was a little bit of like, it's not evidence, but there was speculation that was substantiated by some things he said, some things he pushed for, that he was in support of a monarchy. Uh, like a lot of his, a lot of his ideas do align somewhat with monarchy. They do. Um, I think like he the was, like his idea of the absolute power of the central government. Yeah, um, he was that's a more, big. That's, yeah, he he knew the the 
negative sides of monarch monarchy but he also really feared democracy um and now when he would when we say democracy we have to first let me clarify democracy in the um 18th century did not does not mean what democracy in the 21st century it doesn't, means it doesn't today. mean the democrat party it means mob rule well it, 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 we think of democracy now like our country where it's like everybody has a voice that's not what they were talking about it then um a good example of uh the democracy they were fearing was the french revolution is a very good <laughs> example of that and they some that, people it, wanted it, it to happen here some people and it was it, and i can't uh-huh. understand why some of them Jefferson. did it uh-huh. it it doesn't make any sense because if anybody looks at that, you know it's not bad. But they really feared. Like, I believe it may have been Madison that quoted, we fear tyranny on both ends, mm-hmm. um, both from a, the tyranny of an absolute monarchy and the tyranny of an absolute democracy. And I, and I, I Ham- think it was Hamilton to back that one up, uh, but in simpler terms, uh, the masses are asses. Yes. <laughs> I believe he did say that. He did. And which he's not wrong sometimes but no like the the thing is the the reason a lot of people are like back then democracy was a feared thing that was why well, a lot of people were hesitant to go with the constitution because it had democratic uh concepts in it because it's because the people do not know what they want and change their minds a lot yeah look at france at that time <laughs> look at they, the, they really look at do. The, look at rome Look at ancient Rome. It was it started out as a demo, it started out as a republic, then it became a democracy, and then it became a line of tyrannical dictators, aka the Caesars or the Caesars, however you want to say it. And I think the real big difference is Hamilton envisioned an empire greater than the British Empire, and when I say empire. He he was talking about a financial empire. Like, he wanted America to be a giant that, like, nobody had ever seen. Which a superpower. America, which America did become that. It wasn't Whereas, at that time. <laughs> it was not at that time. It, it wasn't that so, until about the 1960s. <laughs> and so when people look at that, at the time, you could understand why some of the members of the Anti-Federalist Party felt that he was in cahoots with Britain. In particular, Jess, Jefferson, who didn't want a, a like a financial empire like he didn't want america to become a superpower he wanted everyone to be farmers he wanted um, an agrarian wanted, society yes he did not want america's export to be anything bigger than farming and it hamilton just figured it would be a waste that and, might have been but, him projecting his own like business ventures in his politics yeah, it, it it really it really probably was. And I think one thing is he it just Jefferson was for democracy and democracy at the time would not have worked for the um United States. And Hamilton saw that uh what he feared democracy would end up always end up going into would would just ruin any anything he could build for america and so he designed the federal government which yes is supposed to be it is a democratic republic yeah and he wanted the federal government to be like a like a i always like to use the illustration of a mother hen with chicks and if you don't have a mother hen the chicks will separate and go on their own and they're they need someone to keep them in line and keep them together. And and that's what it does. It's there to protect them as a giant umbrella where you have people on the opposite side that viewed it as a predatory thing and wanted states to have the absolute right. But as we saw with the Articles of Confederation, when states have the absolute right, it it doesn't work. Well, see, the 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 problem with the Articles of Confederation was, yes, like there are are laws, but there's nothing in the Articles that – define any kind of court system or legal system so there's no way to enforce those laws there's no way there was no way to enforce taxes everything was like a like a like an asking they asked where's the constitution it's like no we do and like i think but hamilton was also the constitution allowed for it it like 
it allowed for Hamilton's view of a republic where it is only a few people who push the country in a certain way, but it also added the, the democratic side where it is the people tell Congress and the government what they want, and this is how it's supposed to work. Not, it doesn't really all, all that much work that way now or even then. Uh, Congress is supposed to make decisions based on what the people tell them they want. Yes. It's and not I supposed think, to give the people what they want. It's supposed to take that into account. Yep. And I think it it's really beautiful when you look at it. It is, first and foremost, let me, let me say this. It is a lot of people like to think that the Constitution and the Founding Fathers and everything made is not flawed in whatever. No, it is. The Constitution is not a perfect document. It is a flawed document. It has a lot of things. We've seen just in... What? It's like, been changed. What is it? 29 20 no 26 times it's been changed uh, 26 or 28 and <laughs> well not only that but not on just the amendments but just the fact that the interpretation of it because we have so many interpretations and it has to go to the supreme court that shows you it's a flawed document because it's not cleared the constitution is like a document that does black and white but also really heavy gray and the only part that makes it slightly work but also is sometimes its greatest downfall is hamilton when he introduced the idea of interpreting the constitution <laughs> um and there if you when you read it it's so great you can find certain um excerpts from it that are literally there as catch-alls like it's the greatest thing i think it's article one section eight i believe and it basically says Congress has all power to provide for the defense and welfare of the country. And that is generally, I believe, I'm paraphrasing here, but that is generally the assumption of the definition of implied powers, which Hamilton constantly argued, which is the powers that the government, in particular the executive government, have and it is what he used to justify a standing army, to justify a, a funding a national debt, uh, a bank, everything. And some people look at it, uh, critics of that would say that it's just, it allows for too much manipulation. Um, it, it interprets things that necessarily, it, it wasn't meant to be used for some of the ways that it, it has been, and I will agree with that. Um, but I also think a real good thing to point out is if it was black and white, if there weren't those gray areas, it would be even more flawed. Because as society moves along and society changes, if something that was written several hundred years ago is set in stone, you can, or it's certain, like it's all black and white, like it's a clear, there's no room for interpretation. There's also not any room for change. Where when it's a little gray, you can help adjust laws to flow with the time. And I think that's really what Hamilton thought when he used those or were arguing those points is he could foresee times changing. Because even he would, would would argue, well, it was written this way, but we, we need it this way so we can use it and interpret it this way. And I think that's, that's really that, – that's what helps it continue to be a good document and mm -hmm. a good – form of or a basis is the fact that it, it allows for change with time um but it's by no means perfect yeah but i think it is but it was hated by a lot of the anti-federalist movement and well, it even had people flip-flop i mean like if you want to talk if well, yeah i was gonna say if you want to talk about the constitution and an anti-federalist who uh former federalist and <laughs> then turned anti-federalist well um you gotta talk about the guy who literally wrote the damn thing, uh, James Madison is widely considered, is called, and was called in that day, the father of the Constitution because he draft, he did the first draft of it. He did the first draft of the Bill of Rights. Uh, actually, he, he drafted the first 12 amendments. Uh, however, one of them didn't get actually added to the Constitution until the 1990s. <laughs> As some amendments do. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what that amendment was, right? And it's hilarious to think about. Um, I it is the most recent that. amendment. Uh, it was meant to be the 12th. It turned out to 
they pushed it off because it was basically the the clause that or the the, the amendment that says Congress cannot change its own salary. <laughs> like Congress, and I wonder why it took so long. <laughs> you know, to I get really that know. one put in. I I, I think weird. Congress likes the ability to vote for themselves to earn more money. Uh, Who wouldn't? <laughs> but yeah, James Madison. Uh, one interesting thing I I like the the reason that got me like intrigued about this man is because I didn't know a thing about him until I took my U.S. history class first. Uh, basically, while the government was being formed and we were setting ourselves up as a republic, he locked himself in his house for like a year, two years, and read every book he could on all the histories of every Republican-style Republican monarchy, every style of government he could. Uh, and through that, he drafted the first draft of the Constitution to model, or he, he drafted the Virginia Plan, sorry. Uh, that was during the, uh, it was either the first or second Continental Congress. Uh, he posed that to basically formed the basis of the government we have. Uh, it, it posed the idea of a three-branch government, you know, like the ju- judicial, legislative, and executive branches. Uh, that's division, the division of powers and the checks and balances system. That he he posed that in the Virginia Plan, and and Hamilton took that and ran with it and improved it. Uh, <laughs> like he he was an interesting fellow. Uh, he started out a Federalist and wrote. A few more of the Federalist Papers than Jay did, not nearly as many as Hamilton did. Um, but then he flipped. I think his most famous one is, actually, is number 10. Yeah, he actually founded the Anti-Federalist Party with Thomas Jefferson, which later became known as the Jeffersonian, or the, it became known as the, uh, the Democratic Republicans, and then later the Jeffersonian Republicans, and those two kind of flip-flopped. You know why they changed their name? Because uh, why? It's because like the, it's the modern thing. Like you're not anti this, you're pro this. So like they they thought anti federalist sounds too negative, so they so- decided to call themselves the Democratic Republican Party because it sounded more pleasing. It sounded less uh, anti. Uh, it sounded less confrontational. <laughs> but uh, I do believe. Um, sorry. Continue. Uh, yeah, James Madison, like, after, like, kind of during his days when he flipped from Federalist to Anti-Federalist, he kind of, he noticed that the Constitution focused more on the power of the federal government and making a strong federal government and didn't really mention at all, didn't really factor in the citizens, which, I mean, he you can be forgiven for. Like, at that time, not a single government on the planet really cared about its citizens had nothing in its their constitutions their uh their any kind of government that really factored in the will or the rights of the citizens so like madison decided to kind of change that so he drafted the bill of rights um he drafted 12 12 amendments for the constitution 10 of which became the bill of rights uh the 12th was kind of pushed off um, and wasn't really ratified until the 90s. It was the one that said Congress can't really vote to change its own salary. Uh, <laughs> you can wonder why they didn't want that one pushed. Um, but anyway, yeah, he voted, like, most of the most of the first 10 amendments were direct challenges and responses to other governments around the world. Like the right of, uh, like the freedom of speech, the First Amendment. Congress shall not infringe on the freedom of speech, the freedom to peacefully assemble, to criticize the government. Uh, like, that was a big thing. Sedition? Like, you, I, Toby, you probably know about the Sedition Acts and the Alien Acts. I do know about that giant controversy. We <laughs> yeah. love to talk about that one. That is probably easily the biggest fuck-up of John Adams, uh, <laughs> of his short-lived presidency. Yeah. Um, that was a terrible, terrible bill. But yeah, the, awful. the the First Amendment basically protects the right the right of assembly, the the right of protest, the right of religion, 
the freedom of the press and everything, um, which really no other country had. Uh, if the government said you can't say something, you couldn't say it. Um, they had like the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, and the the, the well balanced militia. That was so we had basically a police force and everything. Um, the Third Amendment was a direct challenge to uh, the Quartering Act before the revolution where the British government said, hey, if you have room in your house, if you have a free room in your house or an outhouse or a barn or something, you have to have British soldiers quartered there. Uh, and the Third Amendment basically says, no, you can't do that. You cannot yeah, have... Not unless you invite them. No, yeah. Uh, you cannot have... A, a soldier cannot forcefully occupy your home or any of your property. I think that's a good example for a lot of the amendments and the mm -hmm. Bill of Rights is they all, like, you can trace just about most of them to origins or things that the people of the United States before it was the United States suffered from or the, yeah. the British colonies had issues with, and that's where they stem from. And it's, yep. it, you, it, it's, that's, because a lot of people probably like, why do we care if the soldiers can stay in our homes? Like, I know from a 21st that's century, why. people would probably well, yeah. be like, why? And it's like, well, they kind of were forced to, and they really didn't want them to have to do that again. So they were like, we, yeah, we don't want that. Yeah. But like Madison, he saw, he, he became in his, in his later years, he became more focused on the rights of the individual and the rights of the citizen rather than the, the power of the government. Um, until he became president. <laughs> well, everyone is more focused on the rights of the citizen until they become president. It, it, it isn't a coincidence that when Madison became president that the Democratic-Republican Party started taking on a lot of Federalist ideas. <laughs> um, because Maybe because they had a guy that writ the whole freaking mo – a good bit of the freaking book – on how to be a good Federalist <laughs> as the president. So well, they started caring see, about like, those things. The thing is, a lot of a lot of politicians at that time and now um, are very business-oriented. Uh, the, Feder the Federalist Party was very business-oriented. It was more... Uh, it was about making a strong economy, a strong central government with a good, with a good economy. Um, Manufacturing, economic growth. Yes. They, they loved it. Uh, it's like, because even, even if they identified as Democrat, Democratic Republican, they still leaned more towards the Federalist side on things like business and trade because it benefited them specifically. Meanwhile, like yeah. you look at someone like Jefferson who, who had absolutely zero fiscal sense. <laughs> he was uh, stupid. That's why he was hard on the side of the, the Democratic Republicans. He founded the damn party. Because he had no idea how to manage money. Why does he care if we have a strong economy? Well, and also he was... This is a good segue into Thomas Jefferson. Well, um, I, had more on, I had more on Madison. Some of the, like, uh, some little interesting facts about him. Okay, like, go ahead. For example, he way. was the shortest president we've ever had. How tall was he? Four, five foot four. He was smaller he, than me. Yeah. Even if Hillary Clinton had won the 2016 election, he still would have been the shortest president we've ever had. She is five foot five. That she is would have hilarious. been taller than him. Yeah. Uh, he is on the five thousand dollar bill. Yes, I did know that. I think only three of them are in existence. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. How no, 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 no. Sorry, they go. They sell for three times their value. That is true. They're collectors' yes. items. Uh, they are. Both of his vice presidents died while they were in office. Yeah, because I think he was the he's the only one that wasn't. Uh, he's he was one of the few that weren't preceded by his. Yeah. Uh, vice that, president. Because that was an that was an interesting uh, system we had back then. Like, you didn't choose your vice president. The vice president was the person who got the second most amounts of uh, electoral votes. Like, yeah, for example. If we still had that system, we would have Vice President Donald Trump. Oh, God. <laughs> Second to President Joseph Biden. It would... It, well, so you say that. So here's, here's a fun fact. So this is actually a good... Uh, this is a good example to put in perspective the 1800 election with the 2020 election. 
So you could have had the possibility um, in in the 1800 election when you talk about how you voted for the person with the first most, most amount of votes got to be the president and second most got the vice president. They would put forth a candidate that they wanted to be the vice president, i.e. Mm-hmm. Aaron Burr. And but I mean like – the the person who got the, that that wasn't the person who would become you wouldn't choose your second your your, your vice president no, no, like no, we yeah. do now it would be yeah. so you, you would put them in the race but they would have to get uh second amount yeah yes they would have to get the second most amount of votes yes because that's where you you come into the problem because sometimes people feared and especially in John Adams case certain people even with when he was running as vice president for George Washington. A, Hamilton was concerned that it would cost Washington a second re-election, that the possibility that Adams could get just a few more votes. And so because of that, he would specifically have people not vote Yeah. for, for at times they would specifically have people to throw away their vote so that the person who was supposed to be vice president wouldn't miraculously get more votes and then become the president mm-hmm. and, or get someone you didn't want, i.e., Thomas Jefferson getting Aaron Burr um, <laughs> as vice president. And there's a whole character that we could do an episode on. Because you could easily, feasibly see oh, yeah. um, a character, like like in the 22 election, if we were still based off of that, you could totally have seen uh, like a Donald Trump win and Kamala Harris mm-hmm. ticket, or vice versa, a, a, jo- a Joe Biden and a Mike Pence, or even you know the two president ones, although that was less. Because um, it wasn't, as far as my knowledge... It wasn't um, – it was the other side. So, like, you could could get that, and it was – that would be weird, which we totally ditched that. And we were like, you know what? Let's actually move that because that's a, a very bad idea, um, as, as they would see throughout the rest of the 1800 election and onward. They would continue to see how that wasn't the best idea. Mm-hmm. But as after Washington and then Adams became president and then after Adams you had – Thomas Jefferson become president, and then after Jefferson, you had Madison become president. It was a, a lot of times, as we've constantly seen, if you're the vice president, it gets you in a good position to become president unless you're Aaron Burr. And then you have no way in hell of ever becoming the president because <laughs> everyone the, hates you. He was the first person who tried to publicly who – who actually did try to steal an election. Yes, 100%. <laughs> and then when that didn't work, he said, fine – I'm going to go found my own country. I'm going to go steal the Louisiana territory from France and use that to conquer, to, to quote, liberate, unquote, Mexico from Spain. And then I'm going to use that to invade the U.S. To which he did not get to do a single bit of that. <laughs> uh, let's be very clear. He is, Aaron Burr is a good example of a bad career politician. Um he was really centered on him, himself. He was very self-centered. Uh, but he also wasn't good at it. Like, he straight up <laughs> killed Hamilton <laughs> and wanted to kill him because yeah. he didn't like him because he felt that Hamilton ruined his political career. So much so that Hamilton didn't want to kill him, that Hamilton ruined his first shot. He threw it away um, because he didn't want Burr to think that he wanted to kill him. And yep. it... it Aaron Burr wasn't the greatest person, um, but he at least was open about what he was yeah. um, and wasn't a walking contradiction uh, like, <laughs> like the president, like the president that he served under, which is good old <laughs> Thomas Jefferson, who I admire a lot because he is a great philosopher. His politics were great. Um, his political views were also fairly good. He's – we owe everything about the democratic society. He just wasn't uh, that, very good at walking the walk. <laughs> exactly. Like we – all that we have as far as the Democratic Party today, our democracy, a lot of the views from that stem directly from Thomas Jefferson. Um, he is the one that wanted people to have rights and viewed the common man as um, – he didn't want a, a government run by an aristocracy, which is funny because he was from the aristocracy. Um, but at the same time, like, he he 
really didn't like strong central government. He didn't like the idea of it. He didn't like executive overreach. He thought it was awful until he became president, and then he <laughs> loved those those powers. He loved yep. them like most like presidents, presidents did. But he had a real big problem of just his life not matching up. Like he was big on talking about the evils of slavery, but he was a massive slave owner. Um, he viewed that African Americans were inherently less human yep. and, uh, than white people, which is See, a crazy thing to think about. But at the time, if, not. E- even if you believe, even if you ignore that fact, um, like if you look at the simply the why, even if you ignore the fact that he viewed them as less human, if you look at the actual reasons why he did not free his slaves, like Washington did, is. The difference between Jefferson and Washington, the big difference between Jefferson and a lot of people at that time, is Jefferson was horrible with money. He was bankrupt most of his life. Um, like, financially, the, 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 the laws were in Virginia at that time, and a lot of states, actually. Uh, if you freed your slave, a slave, you had to pay to have them removed from the state. Not only did you have to pay the because at that time slaves were viewed as property and they were offered up as collateral, like you would now a house or a parcel of land to the bank to get a bank loan. So you would have you would you would say, give me like this bank loan of say fifteen thousand dollars. I will offer up fifty slaves as collateral. So you can't free those without paying the bank back that loan with interest and Jefferson had no money. So he financially could not, it was impossible for him to free his slaves because he couldn't afford it. Um, now that's not even like mentioning, that's not even thinking about the fact that yes, he did. He might not have actually believed them worthy of being freed. Uh, he just couldn't. Yeah. And I think he was quoted for saying, um, he mentioned and how it was the great blight on a hideous stain on, on our existence but at the same time he's also stated for saying that i don't know how i can survive without them i don't know how i can function without them and honestly that was a big issue at the time of people balancing what they viewed as like their personal views on slavery and also their practical view on slavery where you had other people that voiced completely against it like like hamilton who was a staunch abolitionist his entire life was totally against slavery and that's another end of the spectrum but you also had people who were a little bit more moderate you had people like washington who started out a slave owner started out being very pro-slavery but as the war moved on he realized that the liberties and freedoms he was fighting for were almost hypocritical of him to then be literally forcing people to be slaves and yep. at the end of that, he realized that it was wrong, and he released all of his slaves um, on mm-hmm. his deathbed. And now a lot of people wonder, they, they view it negatively on him, that he kept him till he died. But And, that, and that's the only thing where I, I try to emphasize that when we look at history, we look at it through uh, the century that it was in instead of a 21st century mindset, even though it's very difficult to do so. Washington felt that because it's he It's impossible owned... to do it entirely. Exactly. Washington had felt that because he had owned them at one point in time, he had a responsibility to look out for their welfare while he was alive. And so he felt it was his duty to take care of them until he could no longer. And that's why he released them on their deathbed. He set aside a lot of his wealth um, to go for the care of those that couldn't be freed because certain slaves couldn't be freed until they were a certain age. And so, but he would set forth portions of his uh, wealth to those slaves for their well-being till they were of age to be freed. And I think it's very admirable to look at a man like that who was able to start out on a certain way with a certain mindset and move away from that once he is confronted and sees um, the hypocriticalness of his previous stance. And I, I think that another thing that shows just how human these people were, they weren't perfect, but they were trying and they and they did it not all of them but especially in washington's case 
Yeah. Um, and I think, well, uh, but it was also it was also yeah. a difficult time at that same point in time because another instance, slaves being freed at that time. This is even before the Civil War, so slaves being freed at that time could be dangerous. Um, oh, it, it was. was very, it was. It was yeah. very prone for them to be kidnapped and and uh, taken further down south, which was almost always a death sentence. Um, in some places, it was illegal. Slaves weren't recognized. Uh, African Americans weren't recognized as individuals, so they really couldn't be freed. Um, in certain areas, it was illegal. Um, so a lot of times, um, with these individuals that believed it was wrong, they also felt that they couldn't actually free them because it would do them more harm than not. Which is where it's just you just get the whole horrible issue that was slavery. Um, yeah. But Jefferson. But anyway, Jefferson, yeah, let's let's Je move Je away from the heavy topic and go back to pointing, poking fun at Jefferson. Jefferson was such he was very sly. So on top of telling people that he didn't like them, he liked to go about it and have other people tell them <laughs> that he doesn't like them. He hated <laughs> Hamilton. And he, so much so that he went to a newspaper while he was secretary of state, mind you, bought the newspaper with federal dollars, said, I'm going to set you up as a federal employee, bash Hamilton. And he created the newspaper to specifically bash Hamilton <laughs> on using funds from the government for personal use, which is exactly what he was doing with the newspaper. It's like, <laughs> dude, dude, you are such a walking contradiction. Yeah. Like, come on. And he he was known for that. Um he was, a, he was a great writer, but a terrible speaker. Um, he did not like to talk. He was very shy, I guess, is the, the way to use it. He much preferred to be secluded to his library and read all day um, and or add on to the Monticello and in his spare time invent the swivel chair. Yeah, in case you didn't know, Thomas Jefferson invented the swivel chair. Yeah. So um, – to which I believe it was Benjamin Franklin sat on it and said, this is one of the greatest inventions I have ever seen. Yeah. Which, if anybody that has used one knows that it is. I'm, I'm sitting in one right now. But he's, he's an interesting fellow. And while he had very good political views, and we can admire him for constantly pushing for the common man, um, i.e. he was whispering into Madison's ear when Madison wrote the Constitution – and the Bill of Rights. Yeah. Uh, those are heavily emphasized, or not emphasized, heavily influenced by Jefferson. Yeah. Um, he, he wasn't shy of going back on his, on his uh, stances when it suited him. Yep. In, in the need of when he became president. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, you know what, let's actually keep some of these things around. Because um, yep. I like these. Ooh, this bank. These are good oh, for this me. powers. Oh, I like this. Let's keep this. Um, and I think, but I don't necessarily know that I would just say that that's just from him being like greedy or power hungry. No, that's just I him being it, a politician. Well, not only that, I think there's a part of it that could have been him getting in there and being like, wow, this is fucking hard. We actually kind of <laughs> need this shit. Like, maybe I shouldn't get rid of it. Maybe this is, maybe Hamilton knew what he was talking about. Um, even though when Hamilton died, Jefferson literally did not care in, in fact in no. one letter he in passing he wrote and said oh by the way i would assume you've read the papers but hamilton died like weeks after he died he did not care didn't shed a tear um it it was he he was an interesting fellow but yeah. also got his n face on the two dollar bill um yeah. in case any of you have ever seen it uh easily my favorite of all currency <laughs> Because uh, American currency is so beautiful. I love, I, like, I love the two dollar bill for a different reason. I heard a comedy bit a long time ago from a guy named John Caparulo, who said the only reason you're gonna give pay someone with a two is to be a dick to them. Because the two dollar bill, while it is recognized as legal currency, unlike like the five thousand dollar bill or something like that, you can't you can't go to Walmart and use that. Uh, you can use a two dollar bill. But the thing about a $2 bill is it's a conversation piece. Like, you it use is. a $2 bill, and whoever you give it to is going to be like, that's a $2 bill. Yeah. 
this is the guy who gave it to you. I mean, this, this the comic said, like, he lost a, somebody lost a bet. Or he lost a bet. Or no, he won a bet, sorry. Uh, and the guy who he, who he won against had bet, like, he said, I bet you $100 you can't do this. He did that. So the guy, out of spite, went to the bank, traded in a $100 bill for 52s. Holy which shit. you can do, and said, you can do. and the teller was like, you're just being a dick to somebody, aren't you? <laughs> because, like, that's what you're doing. You can't... We well, see, I wanted to take home, and I wanted, I wanted to order from my bank $200 worth of $2 bills. I wanted to take them and get them made into a pad, so you can get, like, the, like the sticky stuff that puts paper together that you can then peel them off, and you can do that to a stack of $2 bills. And I wanted to carry it as tip money, and you just when you want to when you want to tip them, you just peel off a couple and lay it there. They're cool as shit, and also they may get stopped or have the police called on them because the person working at Bojangles doesn't think it's real, which has happened at multiple fast food places. They got people have gotten the cops called because they're like, "This is not a real dollar. This isn't real," because it's yep. not widely. Oh, used. I've seen it. I happen. love it. I've seen it happen in a in a uh, in a Target checkout line. I watched somebody I mean, try to pay with with three counterfeit hundred dollar bills. I saw some. I think my favorite counterfeiting story is somebody. These ladies went into a Walmart, holding each. They each had a counterfeit ten thousand dollar bill. Like, <coughs> and we're like, you know, like the things that says like on the bills it'll say legal tender. They would have things that says this is not legal tender. Tender, totally fake money. Um, <laughs> and they bought five thousand dollars worth of clothes each. Wow. And then they asked for change. Oh no. So the Walmart employees gave them, said, well, hold on a second. got to get our managers. Then they both received $5,000 worth of change and $5,000 worth of clothes each with two $10,000 bills that were fake. Now, wow. later, after they discovered the bills were fake, the Secret Service, I believe, was the one called in because they're the ones that handled counterfeit um, yeah. currency. And uh, they were arrested and tracked down, I do believe. But I'm like, yeah. who gets one? Who? If what, you get a ten thousand dollar bill, did they put on a ten thousand dollar bill. Exactly, because if it's not Grover Cleveland, it's fake. Because yeah. he was the one that was on it. And I'm like, if I was that person, I, one, I would be like, holy shit, this is a ten thousand dollar bill. And I and think there were only there were only like fifty of those printed, right? No, there was a good many more than that. But if somebody handed me one of those, I would really be contemplating stealing it um because it's worth a ton but at the same time yeah. like i don't even know the legality of being able to use those i think technically they may have been ten thousand dollar bills when the federal reserve was still around so yeah. i think they still technically if so it's well still able I, to be I don't spent. think you, you can't really spend them you can like send them to the bank and actually get them exchanged i believe but you can't there aren't places that ex actually accept them uh, and I think they're they're worth more than they're, they're worth bills. more than they say because as collectors' items. Yeah, they're worth like, like I think like thirty thousand dollars. Like for like for example, uh, even like an, but, an original um, like twenty or a two w is worth like three hundred bucks because it's it's like mint and an original and old. But like, why would you try to to spend a ten a counterfeit ten thousand dollar bill at Walmart? I don't know, but they were able to do it for a little bit, little bit, <sighs> and it's it's funny, honestly. Um, but like, I remember you asked me the question to get back on topic. Yeah. What president? You said you you made the statement. I don't think there's been any president that probably hasn't abused his executive powers. In and some so I way. said, well, that's a that's a good thing for me to look at. I was like, I wonder what president was the least. Um, controversial and i think i got it i think i have probably at least for political peace so assuming political peace that also should mean little executive overreach because usually that responds with some kind of outrage from a other party and that would be james monroe because he was the president right after james madison and he entered the era of good feelings um when basically america was one party um Everybody kind of got along for, you know, hmm. a, a good little while. 
and it was right after James Madison. So I think I think he would be my pick. Um, I haven't done too much uh, look in, uh, research into it, but as far as for political ease, he is is the number one president for that because it is the era of good feelings. But I don't know if that also equates to executive um, power overreach. So I'm yeah, gonna that, look into that. That's what I'm saying. I don't mean like political peace, but like as far I don't think there's a single president we've ever had that has done that has not overreached in some way that has not toe like pushed themselves pushed that toe a little bit over the line just a tiny bit. See, like, can I do this? I'm I'm gonna do this. Even I know it says I can't do this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Yeah. It doesn't it, necessarily say I can't do this. And uh, in reality, every president really was very mild in that until Abraham Lincoln. And then after Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> we saw a rise in it. Because Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln set a precedent, and now it was a good precedent. It was – or excuse me. It was a good reason. He had a valid. He did a and good thing. Good it wasn't a good precedent he set, but it was a good thing he did. Yes, it it was good, and we all liked it. And history looks very highly upon him for but it. But the precedent he, but set, he set of set a, a pre- president just saying, "Hey, a blanket statement, no more of this, or you must do this," just dropping the hammer well, multiple. on an executive order. Well, multiple. Yeah. He had multiple of them. But like, yeah, and just, just dropping the hammer saying. This is now law, executive order, forever. Just and black think, and white, no more of this, and that's that and that's set a look, bad precedent. If you look at executive orders, um, the, the list of of the uh, how many executive orders a president has done, Washington, I think, may have had zero. Um, but they they drastically start going up after Lincoln, and oh, yeah. it is because of. And, and also, Andrew Johnson and Ulysses S. Grant did a, a bunch as well, and that's because of the that, that area, right, the Civil War and all of that. That's where you started seeing it. Now, obviously— Fun fact. If you... Andrew Johnson is the only president that was ever impeached before the 1990s. Yeah, he was the first president to be impeached. He was the first impeached. president that was ever impeached, yeah. He was a Richard Nixon president. was the next, but he was not. Richard Nixon was not impeached. He was he almost was impeached. He resigned before he could be, and he would like the general consensus is he would have been impeached and actually removed from office had he stayed in. Was he um, had the House impeached him and they were waiting for the Senate to remove him, or had nothing? No, started? Nixon, no, nothing has started. The impeachment process had not finished. He was not impe- He had not been impeached yet yeah. when he he resigned. just left. Which Clinton. Is- Bill Clinton was the first president to be impeached after Andrew Johnson and actually removed from office. And then Bill Clinton was not removed a few from years office. later. Oh, he was not. He no. was just impeached. Never mind. Yeah. And so the, the thing about uh, Andrew Johnson as well is Andrew Johnson also his is a little iffy, but he was the first one to be yeah. like the impeachment to be impeached. be successful. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think and then we I had then the fun- last year and the year before we had President Donald Trump was impeached twice. <laughs> Yeah, a new record set for for twice. <laughs> I Let's, think Nixon. I, I'm waiting with bated breath for somebody to break that record. Oh, for three times. Oof. Really <laughs> I want to see up. somebody get impeached three times. So I think I really don't. Uh, but for <laughs> I think Nixon is a great example of what a president's supposed to do. In mm-hmm. my opinion, if you're being impeached. And that is take responsibility and step down and, and step down. And <laughs> but but the problem is, and this is kind of going into a, a, like the politics of impeachment, a president, especially if you have a, a divided house or if your party is the majority, a president only risks removal and or actual impeachment if he has lost the favor of his party. And that's what Nixon had. Nixon had lost yeah. the favor of his party. <laughs> And so he stepped down. If the president yeah. still has the favor of his party, he really has nothing to worry about, i.e. Bill Clinton and Donald Trump. Both yeah. had the favor of their party, and their parties were either – it was either real even or one had a strict majority over. So they had nothing to worry about. And see, that's the problem about. with impeachment. So they, that, that's the issue with impeachment is most of the time now it is used as less of a disciplinary action or a legal action. It's less because the president has done something wrong now and more because – 
somebody doesn't a lot of like people don't like him. Well, fun fact about that. So impeachment is was never meant to just be if you did something illegal. Well, yeah, um, it but says I mean, that's, that's how it's generally viewed. Well, it's the, interpreta- so the general Franklin, interpretation is impeachment Franklin, is how you remove a bad president from office. Yeah. Benjamin Franklin is quoted for saying impeachment should be used in case the president gets annoying. Um, <laughs> and I agree with well, that. I can name I, quite a few presidents we've had that have been annoying that haven't been impeached. I- exactly. Um, which is like, cause anybody could bring articles of impeachment. Um, you'd be yes. actually, it's really fun to go back and look at which presidents had them brought to the, like the floor of the house brought articles of impeachment, but it like never went anywhere because you need to, yeah. other people to go on with it. It's quite funny. Um, several. I mean, it's of because them it's used as a political years. tool now. It's it's not. Well, it, it's it's not. Yeah, it's 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 like I mean, look at like Clinton's impeachment was not was stupid. It was stupid. Yeah, and it was like it wasn't because of the whole Monica Lewinsky thing. It was because he was caught in a lie and committed perjury. And yeah, I can understand yeah. that, but impeachment, eh. And, like, it, after that, it, people tried to impeach uh, Obama because, quote, he wasn't born in the United States. No, that's just dumb. Yeah. it it And that's where we have the issues, you know, obviously. And this is getting – we're bordering on um, – <laughs> Right now we can be classified as our, bipartisan satire. <laughs> but if we go any further – Exactly. Think, if we, but if so we go any further, a, we are either – I don't know what the Democrat equivalent of Rush Limbaugh is. <laughs> Oh my God! Uh, <laughs> well, no, since so, uh, Rachel dead, Maddow. Say, okay, yeah. Um, we're basically so Glenn Beck and that person. The, so that is where we get a lot of our issues today. Is sometimes our issues and our tools that we're put as checks and balance can sometimes be used and politically wielded. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that all all the time with with different things. We see that with the Supreme Court. Um, and we see it with just any tool and it's sad. Um, and it's one slight fault of our system. That's one of the issues we have. It's a pretty big fault. We, it is, it, it, but it's, it, it is the problem. And we may in years to come find a solution for it. Um, I really hope we do. Um, I'd like to see us continue to build on what the founding fathers did, but inc- but make it better. Um, be, as we can see the mess that we get into, you're putting as a lot of, of faith now. in humanity there, though. I am slightly of an optimist, so I try. Yeah. Um, but it is, but it, it it is that. So so I that's it. Really, just goes to what we were trying to talk about. The founding fathers is look at the system today that they built. It is not perfect, so we really shouldn't view them as perfect, and because they weren't. And no, sometimes no one's we do. No, no one, no one is infallible except me. Um, but um, I'm gonna put that on your tombstone. I am literally. I'm not infallible. Right, that be, well, that'll you'll be buried right beside my dad, who has stated numerous times he wants it put on his tombstone. I am better than you. <laughs> but it's there they tried they tried their best um i think a lot of their issues were the fact that they all believed in an idea but at the same time none a of them knew what of it that took idea. well that and none of them really knew what it took to actually run a country um where that's what we see when we see the articles of confederation and we see with the first parts of the constitution and onward yeah that they all believed really, really, really passionately well, about the I- ideas of realize, freedom. When you think about that, you got to realize this was the first time in history, like world history, this had ever something like this had ever happened. Yeah. The Constitution was the first document of its kind to ever be drafted. And it, it was a new thing. So they were trying. And I think for what they did – what they were up against and what they accomplished, they did a damn good job. But at the same time, I give them a lot of leeway because I'm like, they did not know what the hell they were doing. Most of them were drunk when they made the decisions they did. True. They would go on 
for days arguing and discussing. And then afterwards, they would throw a fucking huge rave and they would get drunk. Like, I remember seeing the bill for right after they, uh, the Constitution was ratified. And it was something like $15,000 worth of liquor. Now, today, yeah. $15,000 of liquor is a lot. Yeah. But fifteen sixty thousand dollars in seventeen ninety is roughly a million dollars today. Yeah. So you so. can make the illustration it'd be about two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of alcohol. Holy shit. For one like, party. Yeah. And they would do they would do it. They loved it. And Oh yeah. So that that's another way. You know they were human. They loved they loved a pub. They loved a wine tavern. was Wine is what I, I frequently now call wine constitution juice. Wine and ale. Yeah. So they loved it. But but they were humans. Um so but they they were still good people. Um they were trying their best and, and they succeeded. Um now oh, in part two of, not all. Well that's where we're gonna get it. In part two Aaron Burr. In part two of our of our discussion on the founding fathers and more of just people throughout u.s history um we will be back with the most crazy batshit people in american history um which should be a Not real necessarily fun episode the, uh, that jesse put forward and when i uh, when i came up with the episode <laughs> Not necessarily today, in colonial times but just throughout all yeah when when i put forth this episode jesse was like we should also do one of just crazy people and yes it, if, if we're going to talk about people like and Aaron Burr, Joseph Smith. Oh, we're, we're in, it's, it's going to be good. Um, Ernest Hemingway. It will, it will be fun. Um, yes. So with that, we really hope you enjoyed, uh, enjoyed this. Hopefully we didn't bore you too much because I mean, our, our history episode longer one, actually. It has been, we love our history and, but we know it's not for everyone. So we really hope you, you enjoyed it. Hopefully we didn't bore you too much and didn't drag on too much. But hopefully you learned a little bit. Um, I shit as my always, pants during this episode. He did. <laughs> um, hopefully you learned a little bit. And hopefully you might come up with an interest with some of these things. And may want to research on your own these topics and learn a little bit more. Um, I definitely recommend. Yeah. I definitely recommend the book uh, Hamilton by Ron Chernoff. If you like reading, then read it. If you don't or you don't have time, like me, listen to it on Audible. Um, not sponsored by Audible. Not sponsored by Audible. And uh, with that, um, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, oh, yep. and because I liked what I did last week, here is another movie recommendation for you oh, from no. Toby. I'm not watching uh, it Go. You've probably already seen it. Uh, go home and watch Blazing Saddles. It is ridiculously dumb, but it's really funny. And Everybody back that, off, or this guy gets it. And with that, uh, we'll see you in two weeks.